Hey, welcome to Recharting Your Life with Hope. I'm Hope Cook, creator and host. If you feel stuck, restless, overwhelmed, or dissatisfied with your current life, despite your life looking pretty good on paper, or at least on social media, I can totally relate. Together, we'll figure out how to take the next right step. I'll interview women who are a little farther along on the path and get tips and ideas from them. I definitely don't have it figured out, so I'll share the ups and downs of my own journey with you. Let's get started because life is too short to waste in autopilot. If you want to be the best possible version of you, you're in the right place. All right, welcome everybody. Today we have Sarah Jones. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, thanks for having me. (laughs) (laughs) We got the giggles right before we started. So Sarah knows, Sarah and I know each other from our Athens, Georgia day. So back in college, Sarah was friends with my now husband. And so that's how I got to know her. You lived next door, Sarah? To the I fraternity did. house? Yeah, I lived next door to their fraternity house. <laughs> it must house have been delightful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was an experience. <laughs> and then Sarah moved out west, right? Uh-huh. I lived in Wyoming for about 17 years. Wow. And you were, yeah. you're a Georgian, right? A native Georgian? Um, not native. We moved to Georgia in 1984. I would have been, I think, about nine years old at the time. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So the first time I remember like knowing that you lived out West and we, we were moving to Montana and I think we either stopped by on our way or mm-hmm. we made a road trip from Montana to Wyoming to, uh-huh. um, and stayed with you and your, um, then partner boyfriend. Um, and it was so beautiful out there and you were into horses. I think you may have even, were you a roper? Yes. Yeah. I grew up riding when I lived back East. So in Georgia, I rode um, English, like what we call hunters and jumpers. Um, And when I moved to Wyoming, I realized nobody did things like that there. Ah. (laughs) um, That's when I just decided I needed to learn how to do something different so I could still compete and enjoy the horses. And so I got into rodeo. um, Ah. And yeah, I did. I did. I roped for about Oh, probably 10 or 11 years. So, wow. That sounds yeah. so tough. That reminds me of like the roller derby girls. Like, <laughs> like you're, <laughs> you're in rodeo. No, I'm scared of those girls. <laughs> Did you wear like the, the jeans? What are those jeans called that the cowgirls all wear? Oh, with all the bling on them, the missy yeah. jeans. <laughs> I might have some on right now. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I didn't tell you before we started, but Sarah's journey involves horses. So that's why we're talking about horses. And when I, I think when we stopped in to stay with y'all, you were working at a bank and it felt, even though I, at the time I didn't do this thing where I talked to people about what their passions are, but I, even then I could see that you were not passionate about bank loans. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> but you worked at the bank for how long? So I worked at the bank for 10 years um, and it was actually, I consider it to have been a very good career. Um, it treated, treated me well, you know, financially. And um, I worked with a lot of people that I really liked. Um, yeah. So I worked there for 10 years. I didn't stop working at the bank until I guess the recession hit and things changed quite a bit in the banking industry. I decided I needed to, to look further in life, I think. Well, so I know you ended up going to vet school, but how did you just walk me through how you came to that decision? Was it something you'd always thought about and you kind of regretted not doing straight from undergrad? Yeah. So when I went to the University of Georgia, um, obviously out of high school, uh, I thought that I wanted to be a vet. Um, So my first semester of classes, I had talked to an advisor and you know, in the very beginning, everyone as a freshman in college takes a lot of the same courses, regardless of what you want to do. But there's a few classes that you take that sort of point you in your direction. Um, So I took those classes. Um, I also got very into, I'd say, the social aspect of college. Yeah. And um, (laughs) 
found out that it was really a lot of fun. Um, and I had a lot of friends that were also pursuing um, vet medicine. Um, and I think, you know, honestly, what happened to me was that I saw how much work it was going to be yeah. and that I was going to spend, you know, your entire college career plus in another additional four years um, studying. And I just decided at that point in my life that that wasn't the path that I was ready to take. Um, So while it did fascinate me and interest me, I just, I think at the time I just decided, you know, it wasn't the right time for me to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And I think life keeps repeating these, these like lessons for you are these, um, oh, these themes will pop up in your life over and over and, you know, you can sort of push it away for a while, but it sort of bubbles back up to the surface. Yeah. And so when you were working at the bank, were you thinking, man, should have done it? Well, actually, so what happened was, um, like I said, there was a kind of around 2008 um, when there was the big sort of financial collapse and going on in the country and a lot of rules changed with banking and lending and that type of thing. My job at the bank became very different and I did not enjoy it as much as I used to. I didn't get nearly the satisfaction out of it. Um, that I once had. And so I decided that I wanted to get a different job. And it was a very small town in northern Wyoming. So your job options were limited. Um, At the time, I was lucky enough to get a job working at the courthouse. Um, I was a clerk in the circuit court office. I didn't know Um, you did that. Yeah. So I started that job in 2010, uh, worked with some really great people, had a lot of fun, very, you know, it was all new territory for me. Um, I remember after I had been doing it for about a year, um, sitting there at my desk one day and we worked in a very old courthouse with squeaky wooden floors and that kind of thing. It could be very quiet in there. (laughs) And I remember staring out the window And thinking to myself, um, you know, you're only, I think at the time I might have been 36 or 37 years old. I'm not sure. Somewhere in there. And I remember thinking, you know, most people don't retire in general until they're 65 years old. Uh And I did a quick little calculation and I thought, well, you're going to need to work for, you know, things go well another 30 years. Wow. I just thought to myself, do you want to do this <laughs> for another 30 years? And I started to get a little sweaty. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And I just remember, you know, at the same time, kind of like going to stand up and the floorboard squeaking. And I had this funny little thought. I was like, what if that was a chunk of your brains just dripping through the floor? <laughs> and it just, it just all of a sudden came to me one day that I really, you know, I had a, I had a really long time to go in the working world and I don't want to just sit here in a chair in an <laughs> office, you know, doing whatever it is for 30 more years. Yes. Um, Amen. And so, yeah, I think that's when was the first time that I remember sort of having this revelation And I don't think right then it wasn't like I was struck with a bolt of lightning that said vet school, you know, but I just started to do a little more reflecting on, you know, where I was headed and what I was doing and what that looked like for me. Um, And that's when I kind of started talking about the vet school idea again. Yeah. Did you have all this fear when you first mentioned it? Like, I can't believe I just said that, you know? Absolutely. Um, It was very tough. I definitely talked about it a lot and I definitely talked myself out of it a hundred times over. Um, So probably my two biggest um, holdups for myself anyway, were number one, age. Kind of when I did the math and looked at, you know, having to go back to school just to apply. Yeah, um, because your prerequisites had already expired, right? Yeah, they would have expired if I had ever taken a science class at the University of Georgia, <laughs> <laughs> which somehow I got out of that school with only taking weather and climate. So that really, 
What was your degree? Like a meteorologist? <laughs> no, I, I had a, um, uh, I majored in risk management and insurance. Okay. So I had a business. That sounds fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Oh, very much so. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, um, I remember doing a little more math and I thought, okay, well, if you want to do this vet school deal, if everything goes exactly as planned and you get in on your first try and, you know, you graduate four years later, you're going to be 44, maybe 45 years old when you graduate from vet school. Yeah. And that thought just terrified me because that sounded really old, even though I didn't feel old at the time. I just thought 45 years old sounds, you know, really old to be getting into a profession that most of your friends or, you know, maybe the other veterinarians that I know had all started much earlier in life. Yeah. Um, you know, they'd gone to their, done their undergraduate degrees and immediately gone to vet school. So a lot of them probably were practicing uh, vet medicine by the time they were in their mid to late twenties. Yeah. Um, I can see so how that you was talk yourself out of it. Yeah. So that scared me and seemed like a very logical reason for me not to go. It seemed very um, like I was just sort of grasping at something uh, that just didn't make a lot of sense on paper. And then it also scared me because I was in a relationship that I'd been in for a very long time. And there are no vet schools in the state of Wyoming. Oh, Um, man. Yeah. So to pursue this, it a hundred percent meant that I would be leaving, um, the state, you know, for four years. I mean, obviously wherever somebody goes anymore, you can always visit and fly or drive back and forth, but you know, you're going to spend the better part of your life for four years somewhere else. Um, and and so that y'all were basically common law marriage. Like you'd been together for 15 years or so. Yeah, at that point in time, when I was thinking about it, I mean, we'd been together for, oh, oh, at least 10 years at that point in time. Yeah. So it was, it had been quite a while. We owned our house together and. That's a big um, deal. Yeah. So those two things together um, were big parts of, you know, we're constantly playing in my head of reasons why not to go, you know, why not um, but once so. you get that little seed in your head, you cannot get it yeah. out. You can't. And I'll tell you, um, one thing that helps, and I think this applies to all areas of life is to have a really good support system. Um, whether it's your family, you know, it's different for everyone. Um, for me, it's a little bit of everything. It's family, um, it's friends, yeah. you know, it's, mentors, it's people that you look up to. Um, if you have that, I think it means a lot. And I talked to a lot of people that were super supportive of the idea. Even yeah. when I wasn't supportive of it, I, I remember I used to present it to people as well. I've kind of been thinking about going to vet school, but, and then I would immediately say why it was a bad idea. Yeah, And I was lucky because I had these people that would say, oh, that sounds like a great idea. That seems like something really good at. And I got a lot of encouragement, even when I wasn't encouraging myself. Uh Um, You weren't showing up for yourself, but they were. No, I absolutely was not. And I'll tell you what, there's one day I just happened to be talking to a girl that um, I knew in Buffalo a little bit. We weren't even really like very, very good friends. It's just a casual acquaintance. And I said to her, he said, well, well, why, why wouldn't you go to vet school? And so immediately I went into my reasons and she said to me, she said, do you want to know? She said, you're going to be 45 years old in about 10 years, whether you go to vet school or not. Yes. So why not be 45 years old and be doing what you want to do? I love that. That was like my lightning bolt. That was your permission. Yeah. And you, I couldn't argue with her. You know, there was no, there was nothing I could say. And that just really, it really changed. I think it really changed my life, honestly, because it's true. You might as well be whatever age. And I've said that to so many people since then, because I've had these same conversations with Mm -hmm. people and 
So many people have always said to me, oh, I can't go to school for two years. I'll be 55. And I say, well, you're going to be 55 anyway. That's true. That's what, yeah, Chase, that's the whole reason (laughs) he went back and got his PhD or he's working on his PhD because our therapist said the same thing. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's really true. So I'm very thankful to have had that conversation when I did. Yeah. Once you made that decision to go to vet school, did you feel so excited and energized or was it more terrified? (laughs) No, I was terrified. (laughs) Because I quit my job, which I've always had a job, you know, from the day I graduated from college. I mean, even during high school, but, you know, I've always had a job. I've always had a paycheck. I mean, it was terrifying to me to to quit my job and and sort of just invest everything into this, what seemed to be an idea. Oh, so because you didn't get in and then quit. No, no, I had to, um, I had to go to school for two years and basically start from the very beginning of biology and chemistry. Oh, Sarah, <laughs> man. So you're in there with these yeah. 18, 19 year olds. Yeah. Well, and like I said, it was, it worked out well for me because um, where I did a lot of those classes was at a community college about okay. 30 miles away. Um, and I was so thankful to be able to go there because I'd never had any experience with a community college situation before, but it's a very diverse group of people. Yeah. I mean, you have everything from kids that are, you know, they're going to this, this is college to them as was the University of Georgia to me, you know, Um, you have kids that go there from out of state, but then you also have people like me, you know, Uh uh, going to pursue some other avenue or you have, you know, maybe some older people just taking a class here and there. Um, So it was a very diverse group of people, very, very small classes. Um, And I just drove back and forth every day to this little community college and I took chemistry and biology and then I took biology too and chemistry too and then organic chemistry and then organic chemistry too and it just progressed from there. Did you know where you wanted to go to vet school? Had you looked into that yet? Yeah so lucky for me um, so since the state of Wyoming doesn't have its own vet school nor a medical school or a dental school or <laughs> any nothing anything but <laughs> yeah, they have nothing um, they have an agreement with other states that have those types of wow. schools um, and it's called the witchy program and so basically as a Wyoming resident I could go to Colorado State, University or Washington State University were the main two okay. that I could go to if I was accepted to one of those vet schools and fit into some other parameters. I think then the state of Wyoming paid basically half my tuition. Oh, so I was able good. to, yeah, I was able to pay in state tuition at Colorado State or Washington State if I got in and Wyoming would pay for the rest. Wow. So I, I basic, based on that, vet school is very expensive as you know, is is higher education in general. So I had told myself that um, I was only going to apply to the two quote unquote in-state schools. Mm -hmm. Um, That was one thing I did. I did do a lot of thinking about that. And to me, it didn't make sense to um, take on a tremendous amount of debt by going to an out-of-state school. Yeah at my age. Cause I mean, that is something where age and stuff would come into factor. You just have a lot shorter period of time to pay it back. Um, and did you get in your first year? I did. Yeah. Yeah, I was exceptionally lucky. Um, I got into both schools. Um, I actually never went to visit Washington state. I thought about it for a little bit and then I realized that from where I lived in Wyoming, it was a five or six hour drive um, on straight interstate between and Fort Collins in Colorado. But to go to Washington State and Pullman, I think it was more of a 12 hour drive over two mountain ranges or two plane flights, you know. And as far as 
trying to maintain kind of life in Wyoming and life at school at the time, um, it just made a lot more sense to me to just go to one that was you know, try to make it a little easier on life if you could yeah. go to one with them. <laughs> and you still had a house and a yeah boyfriend and yeah slash long dis- partner, long term right. partner. <laughs> right, exactly. All right, so you got in and you yeah. were like on cloud nine? <laughs> um, I was, I was super excited, but it was that kind of excitement with a giant <gasps> <Yes>. <laughs> behind it because once again, it, it came with a lot of baggage, you know, yeah, you're going to vet school, but all right, now you really are moving. Yes. You really need to find a place to live. You're going, you know, you're actually really, really going back to school now. Um, it's kind of everything just at a whole new heightened level of yeah. what I was getting myself into. Um, so yeah, I was excited, but Honestly, I was really scared um, yeah. deep down inside. I was very scared. And once again, I think the whole thing that got me through the door on the first day was all the support that I had from other people mm-hmm. telling me that, oh, what a, you know, what a great opportunity. And this is going to be, you're going to do great and you're going to love it. And thinking about that old creaky floor in the old courthouse. Yes. <laughs> Always reminding myself of my brains <laughs> dripping through the floor. <laughs> you were at vet school and you were telling me you'd you came home you get a summer break after the first year yeah so after my first year um I went back to Wyoming um for the summer and um unfortunately things uh uh just kind of unraveled I guess between um, myself and my boyfriend and um about two weeks before school started, it was pretty obvious that our relationship was over. Um, And yeah, I came apart at the seams. Yeah. Cause y'all have (laughs) been together for how many years at that point? Uh, 16. And I've been married for 17. So, I mean, I can relate to how that would be awful. Yeah, it was, um, it was one of the hardest things for sure that I've ever been through. But um, I think, like I mentioned to you before, a lot of times once you get through a situation like that, and thankfully I can look back on it and say for myself that it was for the best. And I hope, you know, for him as well. Um, Did you think about not like dropping out of vet school or? Oh, gosh. Yes. I so. Um, my brother and his family live in Colorado, um, about an hour from Fort Collins where vet school was. And so basically I sort of jumped in my car and drove away from my house, um, when, uh, this happened and I went to my brother's house and then I spent a week of just being a disaster. Um, but I did, I went to the school and I told the, um, the Dean of the vet school, I talked to the assistant Dean. I talked to her for quite a while one day and, you know, I told her, I said, I just don't think I can do this. Um, school starts in at this point in time, it was a week and a half. Um, I have to move out of my house. I, you know, I just don't, I was loose ends, just didn't know what to do. Um, so we had a really long conversation. Um, and she told me, (laughs) this is another big moment in my life. She said to me, she said, well, you know, here are your options. Um, first of all, you know, we, we want you to stay. Um, if what you need is a year to go and sort of put your life back together, um, Mm -hmm. get organized, find your direction. She said, we're happy to let you basically what would happen is you would not go to school for a year. And when you went back, you would sort of join the class behind you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she said, that's obviously an option for you. Um, And then she said, the other option is that you can start school again in a week and a half. Um, And I said, well, you know, I've, I just don't think I can do that. Um, And she said to me, she said, well, I hope you don't mind me sharing something with you. She said, when I, um, when I first moved 
to a new school, started a new job, um, set up a lab because she was doing some research, um, took on a new position. She said, I ha went through a similar um, mm. engine relationship that you're going through. She yeah. said it was very sudden for me. And um, I mean, I don't want to share a lot of her details, but she just told me, she said, it was one of the hardest things that I've ever been through. She said, but when I came out the other side, I was so proud of myself yeah. and really found kind of a new me and a part of me that I didn't know had been there. Oh. And she said, I've seen a lot of other vet students go through similar things that you're going through. And she said, some people just need something to fight for. Uh -huh. And that you need something that might make you a little angry and might be really hard and just give you something to work on. Yeah. Said, I don't know you that well, she said, but I think you're that kind of person. Mm. Um, and, you know, at the time I just, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. And then in addition to that, my brother, um, he wrote me a, a letter and um, he just told me that he thought, that he knew that I could do it and that we, you know, everyone would be there to help me. And he thought in the end um, that he didn't want me 10 years from now to look back and say, oh, you know, I got through it and it would have been fine. I wish I had just pushed through. And yeah. he said, we're all here to help you and you can do this and we want you to stay in school. And oh, I love that. So I did. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and it was awful. I mean, there was so many days where I remember studying with a friend of mine for a pharmacology test. Uh -huh. I remember staring at her and just realizing after a while that I didn't even know what she was saying. <laughs> <laughs> and then I started to cry. I mean, I'm not, I had never been someone that felt comfortable crying in front of people Yeah, to this point in my life I cried in front of so many people that I didn't know and that I did know that I just learned I was like hey you know what this is me right now and yeah. I was lucky and I remember her just she kept talking about pharmacology and then said I'm gonna order you a pizza oh. <laughs> <laughs> and we ate pizza and she just let me you know and I was just exhausted and the, I just had a lot of friends that took really good care of me and my brother and his family were there for me. And you had that made, support network for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it made all the difference. It really did. And then I, I got some very kind of, I wouldn't say like random letters, but there was a few people that sent me notes and letters and told me things about their lives that I had no idea that they had gone through whatever yeah. it was they told me. And it really inspired me because I thought, oh, hey, look, you know, this person had that happen to them and look how well they're doing. Yeah. And you know? likewise, I think now that you're sharing yeah. this, there's probably people going through it. Yeah. Similar things and thinking, I can't do it. I can't do it. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, somebody told me one time, they said, honestly, it's terrible and there's nothing that makes it any better except time. Yeah. And it's true. You and waited out. And, and so then you, you stayed in, you didn't drop out for that year. Yeah, I didn't drop out. I, um, so that was the beginning of second year. Um, I stayed in school and then I got a job. Um, the following summer I stayed in Colorado and I got a job at this dusty little racetrack outside of Denver, Colorado. <laughs> and, um, you guys in the podcast probably don't know this, but I'm now a veterinarian at a racetrack. So I am. Um, and not totally... just for any horse. <laughs> Sarah's Christmas card featured a former Kentucky Derby winner, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not that I get to do any veterinary work on him, but it's still fun to, yeah, my practice does, but <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get to that. But when you were yeah. in, okay, so you, you make it through that and then yeah. you're in vet school. Are you like, so do you know that you took the right step at this point? Are you like, yes, this is where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. So second year of vet school was kind of a blur for me. Um, just with life and everything else that was going on. But 
you know, when I started vet school, it was a hundred percent with the intention that I would go to school for four years, graduate, and then move back to Northeastern Wyoming and work in the town where we lived. Um, and to do that, for the most part, you would be a veterinarian that worked on all sorts of animals, dogs, cats, cows, yeah. horses, Kind parrots. of a general practitioner. <laughs> yeah. Um, and in my heart, having always been a horse girl, um, I think given my a choice, I would have loved to have been horse only, an equine specific veterinarian. But just because of the small population in the area of the country, that probably wasn't going to be feasible for me had I gone back. Um, so once I started kind of getting my feet on the ground and starting to learning how to breathe again, I, um, I realized one day that, you know, if I looked at the whole situation one way, I could feel really sorry for myself and, you know, boohoo about it forever. But if I looked at it another way, it was opening a lot of doors for me as well, because I had no intention at that point of going back to the small town that we lived in. And I realized that that meant that I could go anywhere and do anything that I wanted. The and- future was wide open. <laughs> exactly. And that was really cool. That really, that was kind of probably the first time that like vet school started to light a fire under me, you know? Yeah, because before that you were, you know, I mean, you're not yeah. a, you're a horse person. Yeah. I'm saying you're not a cat dog person, but you know, that was yeah. what lit you on fire. Horses. Yes. yes. Yeah. So, um. Yeah, then I, that's what I realized. I said, I can go anywhere and do anything I want and it may not work out, but this is what I'm going to try to do. So it makes me think about like an onion, you know, and you were shedding all these layers that (laughs) maybe weren't really you. And then, you know, the further down you got, you found you. Yeah. 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 So you worked at the racetrack and did that sort of like cinch it for you? Like, I want to work with horses. Yeah. So I loved my job at the racetrack that summer. Um, I, I think it's, it's your third, your third year of vet school, um, midway through at Colorado state, you choose a track. And that just means that you sort of, your class divides at that point, up to this Uh point, everybody has done exactly the same thing, regardless of whether you want to be a turtle vet or a sports vet, all taken the exact same classes. So um, they make you pick a track and that's a large animal, mixed animal or small animal. Um, And so I was confident at that point that I wanted to just track large animal, which is at Colorado State, probably 80% horse stuff. Um, And so I went that route. And um, after the summer at the racetrack, I talked to... uh, you know, a lot of different people who knew people that knew people in the racehorse industry. And um, yeah, one thing led to another and (laughs) here we are. (laughs) And so you were, tell me exactly what you do now. You work with racehorses? Yeah. So after I graduated, um, it's not uncommon for a lot of people when they're done, when you're done with vet school and you graduate, you are by law allowed to go right out and start practicing veterinary medicine on uh-huh. your own. You could open a new clinic the next day and wow. just be the only one there. Um, there's some people that that's well within their comfort level. And then there's others that it's not. Yeah. And um, especially if you're going to pursue kind of the equine only area of vet medicine, um, a lot of graduates do what's called an internship for a year. Mm -hmm. So you go work at a clinic with a one-year commitment, like your commitment to them is for a year and vice versa. And the intent is that um, you work very hard for one year, a lot of hours, but you get to see a lot of cases and you also have very experienced doctors with you Mm -hmm. to help you, um, and to sort of guide you through um, what it's like to be a doctor and start thinking like a doctor. Yeah, you're paying for a comfort zone. I mean, comfort level. Exactly. So um, I knew that I wanted to do an internship. um, 
And I went to several kind of big hospitals that I, that I liked, um, but I still had this strange love of the racetrack. Um, and one of my professors at school had given me a phone number of a guy that he said worked out here at Santa Anita. And he told me that I should call him. In California. Uh-huh. And I, I just didn't, I didn't feel comfortable calling him. I didn't know who he was. I didn't know. You have to build up your courage muscle. (laughs) So oddly enough, I was talking to a friend in Wyoming and through kind of a couple arm's length connections, a family member of hers gave me the exact same guy's phone number. Yes. (laughs) I thought to myself, all right. Now it's your problem. If you don't uh-huh. have the guts to call this guy, it's all on you. So, so true. I reached out and touched base with him. And um, I uh, spent spent two weeks with this practice um, while I was still in school. Um, that's not uncommon. Your fourth yeah. year of vet school is you go out um, and you spend two weeks in different clinics in different areas of the country, meeting people, seeing things, that yeah. type of thing. They're called externships. And so I did an externship with this group while I was still in school, um, not knowing that they even had an internship. And after I had been here for a couple of days, I asked him, I said, you know, do you have any recommendations for somebody that wants to get into um working at the racetrack as a vet because it's a very small community and it's not the type of place where you just open the back gate and walk in and start your own practice, you know? Um, And he said to me, he said, well, well, we have an internship. And I almost fell out of the pickup truck at that point (laughs) because I, I had no idea. Honestly, I had just gone there because this was a great opportunity to come to California and be around some of the nicest racehorses in the entire world. And that's kind of what I was after. And then all of a sudden he told me that. And I thought to myself, "Uh Oh, you got to get your act together. Right. You got two weeks, girl. You got to prove yourself. (laughs) Tick tock. (laughs) Yeah. So that's how I happened upon this, um, this, uh, where we are now. Are you done with your internship? Yeah. So I started, um, the beginning of June. So about two weeks after I graduated from vet school, I moved into my little house here in California. Um, my contract with these guys went from June to June. Um, and then they hired you. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, I love the racetrack. That is amazing. It's, it's partially like working with a circus. I mean, there's so many interesting and hilarious people that work on the backside of a racetrack. Um, and it was about <laughs> December. I think I had been at my internship for about six months. And um, one of the guys talked to me for a while about um, staying on and wanted to know what my interest level was. And I tried to contain myself, but <laughs> I think I started jumping up and down. <laughs> I love it. I'm so happy. Yeah. So yeah, I knew at that kind of, at that point that, um, it was going to play out and, you know, you never know how long something's going to last, but, um, I figured, you know what, it's not often that people get the opportunity to, um, wake up in the morning and look forward to going to work every day and just thinking like, you know, what kind of amazing horse am I going to get to see today? Or what kind of really cool thing am I going to learn? Or yeah. what kind of hilarious situation with some, you know, Hispanic guy that works on the backstretch, like <laughs> tells you some joke. I mean, I, it's, it's, it's so fun. And then I'm just lucky to work in a, a really good environment. I have very supportive people that I work for. And then there's a lot of other vets back here that basically work for other companies, I guess, but it's almost not like we're even competing. Like I could go to any of them at any point in time and they would all drop what they're doing and help me with no hesitation. And that's just the coolest thing ever. So it sounds like you have found your, your happy spot. I really feel like I have. I, I often tell myself like, when am I going to wake up? And (laughs) 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 this isn't real. (laughs) 
it do you just think about if you hadn't taken that step of like taking those community college classes and just like what if what if I do this yeah I'll never ever forget my first day of work I was um going around with my one of my I guess the main boss uh the guy that owns the company and he said here go give this horse a shot so I think my hands were shaking and I was trying to act like I knew everything I was doing and He's, he was sort of just standing there watching me and he looks at the horse just right when I was about to give the shot. And he goes, yeah, they just paid 1.9 for this one. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) You know, I was thinking to myself, $1.9 million. I know. Wow. (laughs) That is amazing. And I know my hand was shaking at that point in time. Yeah. But you get to work with these magnificent beasts. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm a lucky girl. <laughs> so what advice would you give somebody or give yourself from five, six years ago? I guess it would be more than that at this point, seven or eight yeah. years ago. Yeah, I think um, I kind of, I have learned a lot just about through this whole journey, I guess. And some of it doesn't really apply to a job or anything like that, but I think you learn a lot about yourself when you go through something like this, you know? Yeah. And um, I think one of the things that's helped me a lot is um, I used to be like, it's my personality to want everything to be perfect, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's your grades or your carpet or the way your clothes are folded yeah. or your friendships or whatever it is, everything needs to be perfect. And I really had to learn through all of this together to let go of that. And that that was a very unreasonable and on top of that, very unhealthy goal. Um, Because being perfect is not real. There's Mm -hmm. no thing, you know, and once you learn that um, someone told me once that you can't, you can't control what other people do. You can't Mm -hmm. control, you know, how they react or what they do you can really only control yourself and how you react to things. And so it just, it kind of gave me a lot of peace of mind when I really started to think about that and realize that, um, you know, if I go out and just, just try to do my best, you know, have a good attitude, keep a sense of humor, try to learn something every day. um, I'm going to mess up. You know, it's just part of life and especially Mm -hmm. in this career path that I've chosen and especially like being a new doctor, there's no way around it. You know, I used to tell myself like, don't mess up. This horse is worth $2 million. Well, of course, (laughs) I still tell myself that. But luckily, I have found that in order to be good, you got to cut yourself some slack. Yeah, you're going to make some mistakes. You're going to make some mistakes. And I think what's so important in general is surrounding yourself with people that understand that, share the mistakes that they made and support you through yours, you know? And if you found that with an employer, that's huge. Oh, yeah. And I see in other friends that I have working in other places, you know, that don't have that. And yeah. I don't, I would not be nearly as happy in those types of situations. Um, Yeah. yeah, So I think having a little patience with yourself. And once I've learned that, you know, some things just, I tell myself, they just take time. Like Uh I'm not going to be as good a doctor, no matter how bad I want to be. Yeah. After being out of school for a year and a half as somebody that's been here for 10 years. That's right. That's any profession. I felt anything the same you do. way and yeah it's just not possible and and you need to like give that to yourself yeah and just grace. Say, give yourself you know, some grace yeah and it goes a long way um and then I think I, I read a lot about it and I had never really thought about it before but they say like a sense of gratitude is healthy mm-hmm. and I I really feel all the time like I'm just so thankful for so many things in my life and I just feel like, you know, after what I've been through is you can think that you have the next 20 years planned out and you know what? It's not really the case. I mean, life changed so quickly, so quickly, you know, from 
whether, you know, health, relationships, family, friends, everything. It's just, you know, nothing's a given. So, you know, just make the best of every day and Mm -hmm. you don't know what tomorrow's going to be. So try not to worry about it. And you can't go back. So Mm -hmm. don't look back and say, oh, I wish I'd done that differently because, you know, learn from it. If you did something you didn't like, or it didn't turn out the way you wanted it to, you know, take away from it the lessons that you want to change and do different next time, but don't beat yourself up about it. You know? Yeah. And if you're waking up and you don't like the life you're living, you get to design it. You get to choose. You're not stuck in a courthouse. (laughs) (laughs) You're not stuck in a courthouse. (laughs) I just picture you now with these big racehorses and like a big smile on your face and then sad Sarah sitting in the courthouse. (laughs) Me too. Me too. Life is good. I'll tell you that. I, um, I think about it all the time. What's on your horizon? What do you, do you have anything? Are you just living in the moment or is there anything in the next couple of years you're thinking, all right, that's next. Yeah, no, I honestly am not focusing on um, a couple of years down the road at this point. I just decided like, you know, be here, do this, um, enjoy how, how things are going while they're going this well. Cause like I said, I know things can change really quickly. So, um, it's not that I've never thought about, Oh, I wonder what I'll be doing in 10 years. But the good thing is now I don't worry about it. I'm just kind of like, Oh, well maybe that's cool. And you know, I remember after I went back to school and my was going through the breakup and all of that. And I talked to this lady and, you know, you struggle with all these things like, oh, will I be single forever and blah, blah, blah. Or what if I can't find a job? And he said to me, she said, you just, you need to look at this differently. She said, you're scared because you might be single forever. She's like, what if you find like the most amazing person you've ever met? You know, that Mm -hmm. could also be a possibility. And then she said, you worry that you won't get a job out of school doing what you want. She said, what if you get the most amazing job ever? Yes. And I thought, you know, that's so true. You spend all this time worrying, like, what if this bad thing happens? Or what if that bad thing Uh happens? What if something truly amazing happens? I mean, because it sure could. There's nothing that says the bad thing is going to happen. So yeah, expect grad, expect good things, expect excitement and yeah, in a good way, not a bad way. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Oh, well, thank so you. Inspiring. And I'm just excited that you're getting to do what you love every day. <laughs> well, thank you. I, like I said, I really, I'm happy to be where I am and I'm thankful for everything and everyone that helped me get here. So, yeah. Thanks, Sarah. All right. All right. Here's the takeaway points from Sarah's interview. Number one, if there's something you're truly passionate about, something that's imprinted on you, you'll often see this theme pop up over and over in your life, like with Sarah, horses and becoming a veterinarian. Number two, just because you're not ready to take a path at one point in your life doesn't mean you can't go back and find that same path later. Number three, think about how many more years you'll likely work. If you're 40, you may work until you're 65 or 70. That's like 25 or 30 more years. Do you really want to spend the next 20 or 30 years doing what you're doing? If not, change your course. Number four, if age is your biggest excuse, think about it this way. In 10 years, you'll be whatever age you're going to be, whether you go down this new path or not. So why not do what you want to do? Number five, once you get a seed of desire in your head, it's going to be hard to get it out. Pay attention to all the excuses you keep repeating about why you can't do this thing. Number six, notice if you're presenting your idea to yourself and others as, I'm thinking about doing blank, but here are all the reasons why it probably won't work out. Number seven, your loved ones often know you best and aren't surprised when you finally decide to take that first step. They will encourage you when you're being stubborn and being a naysayer. Number eight, a support network is key. Sometimes if you're not showing up for yourself, you'll need your friends and loved ones to be your biggest fans and encourage you and give you permission to do it. 
if you're not giving yourself permission. Number nine, it's okay to be scared to death even after you make that decision and move forward. Number 10, terrible things can happen in life, unexpected turns. You don't have a choice about whether or not bad things will happen, but you can decide how you want to react to that situation. Number 11, even when bad things happen, you always have choices and options about what you do next. Sometimes you're tempted to crawl into bed and hibernate for a year, but sometimes having a distraction and something to fight for is the best option. Number 12, when you go through the hardest parts of life, you'll come out the other side as a new version of you. Number 13, when you're ready to give up, those around you who love you will be the encouragement you need. Rely on others to help you and allow them to help you. Number 14, you will learn to breathe again after a traumatic event. You just keep putting one foot under one foot in front of the other. Go through the motions. Number 15, there are two ways to look at every situation. One way invokes self-pity and sadness. The other way is to see new opportunities that weren't there before the situation. Number 16, the universe will often deliver serendipitous events. If you get a hint or clue that you should do something and you drag your feet and then the universe gives you that same hint again, by all means, do it. Number 17, gratitude is the key to living a happy life. Number 18, perfectionism is an impossible standard. You're going to mess up and make mistakes. It's just part of learning. And it's part of moving towards being good at something eventually. Number 19, surround yourself with people who aren't afraid to admit when they make a mistake and who support you when you make mistakes. Number 20, keep a sense of humor. Try to learn something new every day and have patience with yourself. Know that some things take time, like learning a new profession. Show grace to yourself. Number 21, life changes so quickly from what you have planned. Nothing is a given. Make the most of each day. You don't know what tomorrow brings, so there's no need to worry about it. Number 22, you can't change the past. Take away the lessons you learned from it and move on. Number 23, be here in this moment. Enjoy today. It's okay to think about the future, but don't waste time worrying about it. And lastly, you can spend time worrying about worst case scenarios like what if I never find the right man? What if I never find the right job? But what if you flipped it around and you expected something truly amazing? What if I have the most fantastic job in the world working with former Kentucky Derby horses. Thank y'all. Thank you for choosing to listen to this podcast, Recharting Your Life with Hope. Everything I discuss in this show reflects my own views and opinions and not those of my employer. Although I'm a physician assistant in my real life, any advice or tips you hear on this show should not be used as medical advice. If you like what you hear, come on over to HopeThePA.com or follow me on Instagram at HopeThePA.com.